The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The baseball playoffs are in full swing. We got an NBA preseason game happening in the middle of the night. It's a glorious time. We're on the countdown trail here, October 4th. It's Friday. We are 18 days, two and a half weeks from the start of the NBA season. Starting to get a little bit excited. Got my first fantasy draft coming up in just a little over a week. I think I have one on Monday the 14th. I really try to jam them all pretty close to the start of the season. You just you don't want any freak news messing you up. And I'm guessing that means that a lot of you guys have your drafts coming up here as well. Hope you've enjoyed all of our shows on draft prep. We do certainly have some more here coming up. And... Uh, once the season gets rolling, then we'll be breaking down actual games, players to watch. I don't know if you guys remember that, but uh, we do have a an actual schedule once the season gets going. This is Fantasy NBA Today. You probably knew that already. You clicked on it, didn't you? By accident or on purpose, it doesn't matter. You're listening now. I'm Dan Bespris, your gracious host. Really, uh, so thrilled at the listenership levels going into the season right now. They're crazy. They're through the roof. Those of you that are tuning in for the first time, welcome. Those of you that have been listening for the full, what are we at, like two and a half years of podcast now? Three years, if you go back to before we even had a server. Follow me on Twitter. That's always the first thing I got to tell you. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, R-I-S as in Sam. It's not a great last name to do via the spoken word, but if you can find me, I'd love it if you would follow me because a lot of what I do, uh, follow-up stuff, player interaction, things like that, or not player interaction, but just uh, interaction with other people on social media, talking about players, talking about rankings, guys to pick up, drop, etc. That's all done uh, during the day on the Twitter feed. So that's again at Dan Bespris. This is a hoop ball, hoop-ball.com and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. Hawaiian, which I hope you guys can spell. If you can't, you can spell it close on Google and it'll correct you. Uh, and then Isles, I-S-L-E-S. They are our official title sponsor of all audiovisual elements here at HoopBall. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. You can get it on Amazon Prime as well. They've got all those incredible flavors. You just, you got to try one. Just try one. You will be hooked. You will be hooked. I can basically guarantee it. They've, they've got the K-Cups, classic flavors, uh, Kona Roasts. They have some decaf stuff. They have this vanilla macadamia that's their... They call that their perfect blend. It's their kind of thing that other places don't do. That's the one you should try. You'll, you'll just be, you know, it's like a flavor of Hawaii without having to pay the multiple thousand dollars to fly there. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Big thank you to them as usual. Coming up on today's podcast, I thought it might be fun to really start to dive into the nitty gritty on actual differences between value and average draft position. Because here's what we've done so far. On, not last week's episodes, but the one before that, we went through the Yahoo ADP Top 100. First 100 players being drafted on Yahoo. Not based on their X ranks, 
not based on their projections, not based on their overall numbers, not based on last year's ranks, the actual ADPs, where guys are going in all Yahoo drafts rolled together. And then compared that to just basically what we thought about that particular spot. But that doesn't necessarily tell you where you could be focusing on. So today, what I've done is I've made a list, I've checked it thrice, of players that I think are far from where they ought to be. We've really pared it down to the over and under guys. And a lot of them are, you know, the old dudes that you guys are used to on the the undervalued side, but there are also some overvalued guys in this mix as well. And the ADPs have been shifting over the last two weeks. We're also going to be talking to the great Matt Smith of Basketball Monster about his nine cat roto mock results. That's coming up later in the show. We will have a coupon code for goodies over at hoop-ball.com, which is relevant because this weekend is the last weekend you can get the draft guide for its current price. This is sale time, and then Monday it's over. Well, Sunday at 11.59 p.m. or whatever you want to call it, that sale is done. So hopefully you're listening to this podcast during that window. Right now, the draft guide is $17.99. On Monday, it goes up to $19.99 because on Monday, the early access to the Brewski 150 is no longer, well, I mean, it's available, but it's foolish to get it at that point because you get it in the draft guide on Monday. So the draft guide will have the Brewski 150 in it on Monday, but it also goes up $2. So buy it now, and then you'll just get the B150 on Monday when it gets placed into the draft guide. Use the coupon code, and $17.99 will become $14.99, and I will tell you that coupon a little bit later on in the program. We also still have the Game Time Premium, the Pro Package, the Champions Pack. All that stuff is available as well, uh, and the coupon works on those stuff too. I just... You know, for me, it would be the draft guide or the pro package right now because those prices are going up because they have the draft guide in them. Uh, They'll be going up two bucks a piece on Monday. Use the coupon code now. Save three dollars. It's the right thing to do. So first, I want to bring our guest on and then we'll dive into some of the Yahoo stuff. That's the order of operations on today's program. Um, I also want to tell you guys a little bit more about recruiting later in the show. I know you've heard me talk about that earlier this week as well. This is always a fun one, and I can't, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take all of the blame here because you and I really need to talk more often than we do. We have a lot of similar takes, and we enjoy similar levels uh, of sarcasm, so I don't know why I haven't done a better job. The great Matt Smith at S-Man Sports. Follow him immediately on Twitter before you listen to the rest of this podcast. Matt, how you been? Dan, it's good to talk to you again, and I'm glad you enjoy my sarcasm, and you get it. You understand it. Not many people do, so I'm fully appreciative of that. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I, you and I have had a few uh, quiet laughs over the last couple of years at our, our different levels of sarcasm, and I, I know that that will continue. It's a tradition as old as time itself. How's life? What's the good word? It's good, man. Um, yeah, like we're just talking off air, just in a bit of a holding pattern. There's a, what another few more weeks before the season kicks off. So just pumping out plenty of content, still practicing some mocks, still doing some real drafts. It's all happening. So 
um, yeah, can't wait for the season to get going. Matt, of course, is an analyst at Basketball Monster. Uh, we've talked about this a thousand times on the podcast, but it, it bears repeating. Fantastic, fantastic website. Incredible tools. Great analysts. Matt, again, at S-Man Sports. Uh, we'll break down your team. Should we just launch right into it? You had the coveted 11th pick, after all. I did. And <laughs> like um, everyone else says, this 8 to 12 to 14 to 15 range is horrible um sleepless nights so yeah we all know the the top five and then what i call the standard seven with Jokic and lillard after that and um in this instance yeah Kyrie irving went off the board at eight jimmy butler at nine drew holiday at 10 so that left me with bradley bill at 11 which i was really happy with um for what it's worth i would have drafted bill at eight i think he's probably the next best player um and probably one of the safest players in this range um and yeah, people are really going to have to make a decision. Do you want 75 games out of a top 20 per game value sort of guy or maybe 65 games out of a, a top 10 value like a uh, Joel Embiid or Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, these sort of guys? But yeah, pretty happy to start with Bradley Beal and his all-round um, fantasy game. Yeah, you know, you answered the question that I was going to ask, which was, I mean, this must have felt like kind of a nice moment for you because the dis- not only did this decision end up kind of making itself for you... I know Embiid and Kawhi were still on the board, but you figure that you're sort of this close to the end of the round. You got a shot getting them in the second round anyway. Uh, But the other guys that have all been going in that range, they'd come off and you got the guy you wanted anyway. So that was, yeah, yeah, kind of worked out all right. Um, Yeah, perfect. And then Kawhi at 14 makes a lot more sense than Kawhi at 8, 9, or 10. I think I even put on Twitter like last month that I would probably start taking him at about 15. So this is effectively that. Getting Kawhi in the second round feels like a pretty reasonable thing to do. Yeah, I was quite happy with that pick. Um, I just feel with Bradley Beal, I've got at least one player with a bit of stability and that I can rely on. Um, Yes, there might be a chance that he does rest some games later on down the year. But if I can get 75 games out of Bradley Beal, I'll be more than happy. Um, with Kawhi, we've started to hear a little bit more um, positive things out of the Clippers and that he might play a little bit more and not rest as much in the load management that we saw last season in Toronto, especially early if Paul George does miss time. So that's a positive sign um, for head-to-head and for rotisserie leagues. Um, I'm still not overly comfortable if I would draft Kawhi you know, in the top 15 in a head-to-head league, but in a nine-cat roto, that's his that's his format. Um, yeah. He could be a top top five player. Um, on a per game value so yeah once again if I could get if I knew I was getting 68 to 70 games out of Kawhi Leonard I'd be pretty happy Um, so yeah that's uh, the one-two punch to start the team oh without question if you get if you get him to 68 games at this point he likely exceeds that value I would think right I would hope so yeah yeah like I said he could be could be top five in per game value and if he gets to yeah 68 70 games you'd think that would still be good enough for top what top 10 yeah i think so yeah i mean last year you know he only played 60 games and he was still number 18 by totals which tells you all you need to know about his per game stuff he's just so good in everything you ended up with two guys that don't really have i guess holes i guess maybe blocks at this point would be about the only category that you don't have in pretty good shape and that's that's not a bad spot to be when you've got the 11th pick because things can turn on you pretty quick at that point uh, but anyway, yeah. we, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going just gonna to say that um, I, this was a really different strategy for me. Normally, I like to go, you know, big, small, big, small, big, small through the first five or six rounds and load up on point guards and bigs. But this season with 
the standard of big men later on in the draft. Yeah, I think, um, and and the the need to draft assists early. Um, there are point guards late. You know, Fred Van Viet, um, Murray, White, uh, Delon Wright, Dinwiddie, these sort of guys. But it's probably only um, Jeff Teague and maybe Sadoransky that you know you're probably going to get six or seven assists per game from later on in the draft. So if you want assists early. Oh, sorry, if you want assists, you need to get them early, and that's what I tried to do in this draft. Um, and, yeah, around the next two bigs and uh, picks and then really loaded up on, on bigs in the in the second half of the draft. Yeah, the middle of the draft is, is flush with big men. There's a bunch of them in those chunks. And, uh, I mean, you got, let's see, there's a center, power forward, slash center, 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 power forward, center, uh, six rounds in a row, and a lot of those guys are guys that – probably could have even gone earlier and are are relatively safe believe it or not uh, yeah. that option like you just said the options at point guard in those areas <laughs> they're just it's not it's not as deep that you need to get the assists early and so here we'll we'll just pivot to your third and fourth picks which i know you're not on the turn but you're turn adjacent here uh yeah. d'angelo russell at the end of the third and chris paul at the beginning of the fourth you and i are uh, in the in the in the Chris Paul stand department this year, I think we can we can get to him in a second. Uh, D'Angelo Russell at the end of the third. This feels it's pretty close to where he's been going, right? Uh, generally early thirties this year. Yeah, I think so. I think that's about on point. Um, De'Aaron Fox got taken one pick before me, who I would have taken Fox if he was there over Russell. Um, but I guess with Bradley Beal and Kawhi, I've got a nice foundation of assists. I don't have that elite assist point guard so um d'angelo russell was just another player to get me five or six assists build on my steals build on my threes build on my points um efficiency is pretty good um and then yeah when we got to to chris paul at, he was sitting there at 38 and i was looking through our basketball monster projections and he was at the top of the draft tracker um for a per game value i changed it to total value and he was still at the top of the board and he comes <laughs> out as a top 30 player in in total value and i was like hmm once again, in a nine-cat roto, this is his format, and and him and Kawhi have been, you know, two of the best nine-cat roto players over the last fifteen to twenty years. So, to have them both, um, even though yeah, there are concerns, and they could legitimately miss thirty games between them. Um, I think it was a, a gamble worth taking, and and yeah, I think with these four guys, I'm I'm strong in assists, steals, threes, points, going to have low turnovers. And they're all really efficient from both the field and the free throw line. So I think it really gives me a good base to build from and yeah, target it, bigs later on. Oh, without question. You've got guards with maybe the exception of D'Angelo Russell that all shoot a pretty high field goal percent. That's an unusual trait. And you have three out of four guys doing that. So it makes it a lot easier to be good at field goal percent later since you haven't, you've basically taken care of your guard stuff without any big dent in your field goal percent department. And you know, I love Chris Paul. I mean, like, how many guys can you get in the fourth round where you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's actually been a first-rounder in his career? Not many. No, not many at all. And, and Mike Connolly was, went the pick after, and I seriously considered him as well. Um, but like I said, probably with Bill, Connolly, and Russell, maybe they're all a little bit too similar. Um, I really wanted Chris Paul's, you know, eight or nine assists per game right. um, to give me a big boost in that category. Makes sense to me. Uh, I like your fifth-round pick too, Wendell Carter Jr., who... Um, flying a little bit under the radar this year because of all the injury stuff his rookie season, but he's got a really nice stat set. He's got a beautiful stat set. Um, Al Horford type of game, just super solid across the board. 
I'm really excited to see what Wendell Carter Jr. can do this year. And like I mentioned, yeah, really had to target bigs. Um, and a lot went off the board in this round. Thomas Bryan, Jonas Valanciunas, Al Horford, Larry Markinen, Julius Randle, the pick before me. Um, so, yeah, needed needed an efficient big man. Um, once again, doesn't have any holes in his games and, and builds on the strength and, yeah, adds some shot blocking to the team. The amazing thing, too, is is Matt just mentioning all those bigs that came off the board in this round. Bryant, Valanchunas, Horford, Markinane, Randall. That's still, to, to sort of hammer home the point you made earlier, left options like Wendell Carter Jr., Derek Favors, who you got coming mm-hmm. back in the next round, Brooke Lopez, who went slightly later in the next round, Kevin Love, who's not really our, generally our, all of our cup of tea. I did end up with him in this spot. Uh, these guys are still all out there. Steven Adams, Hassan Whiteside, still on the board. Montrez Harrell, Jared Allen, still on the board. There's a lot there. Marvin Bagley, who I've skipped over in there yep. somehow. Yeah. Um, these guys are all still on the board. So even after four or five bigs went running off the table, you still had like six to ten pretty reasonable ones to pick from. That's how many options there are of big men in the middle rounds. It's astounding this year. Yeah, it is. And even if we go a, a round earlier and look into round four, where, like I said, I did take Chris Paul, but I could have targeted a big there. Jaron Jackson Jr. went the pick before. Um, Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, um, there were some of the picks who went slightly afterwards. So sort of that fourth, fifth, sixth round is just a beautiful spot to, to pick some big men. So if you've got a top five pick and then you're going, you know, into that 24, 25 range for your second and third and then into the 49-50 range for your fourth and fifth pick. Um, yeah, there's some great big man options um, Yeah, when you, when you get to that stage of the draft. I'm loving the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds this year. I feel like even I could go into the third round and take guys that are often going in the fourth, fifth, and sixth. It just feels like there's 36 really good options that are falling into that area in almost every draft. Am I just losing my mind right now, or is there some measure of fact to that? No, I, I totally agree. I think the top sort of 45, 45, 50 guys this season are, are all really strong. I think there's a slight drop-off once we get outside the top 50, um, you know, and through that 60 to sort of 90 range. And then I think there's another drop-off again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's just so many really nice picks um, and flexibility as well. Like Draymond Green at 44, you know, you, you know you're getting – six, seven, eight assists out of a out of a power forward and his steals and blocks are going to be through the roof again and nightly triple-double threat. Um, Robert Covington with his steals and blocks. Shea, who Kyle took it at 47. Um, yeah, not only are you getting value, but there's a little bit of upside still with those guys as well. And meat on the bone, I think I used that terminology last year with you, Dan, so um, that's always nice as well. <laughs> yeah, bringing it back with a little meat on the bone. Um, Derek Favors in the sixth round coming back. This is uh, where I th- closer to where I thought he was going to be going this year, but then Yahoo came out with their projections and he was going in the late 30s and it just ruined him for everybody. Um, it seems like he's starting to move back into an area where maybe there will be some value again, and you got him in one of those areas here. Uh, my question isn't so much like can Derek Favors be a good fantasy player because he obviously can. That's a clear yes. My question for you, Matt, is uh, do we see him continue to slide as we approach kind of the true draft season? Because he came out with all this wild buzz for some reason, uh, and it's it's starting to come off, but does it continue or does he level off a little bit? 
I think it'll level off a little bit. We've seen the same with Zion Williamson as well. That you know, if you were drafting two or three months ago, you probably would have had to spend a late second or early th- early third round pick on him, and he sort of started to fall to to the end of the third or maybe even to the fourth round of some drafts. So, um, yeah, I'm not. I think Derek Favors can be a top fifty type player. I'm not as big on him as some people. I still think there are some small concerns I have around. You know, favors coming across. I just don't know if he's that perfect fit for an up-tempo New Orleans Pelicans team. Who you just, I just envisage Zion and Drew and Lonzo grabbing the rebounds and just running the floor hard. And I'm not convinced if Derek Favors can keep up with them. And you know, they're going to want to get time into JJ Redick off the bench as well. And Favors could be the odd one out. Maybe it's Brandon Ingram as well. Um, but at 62, once again, I needed to build on my my rebounds blocks. Um, efficient guy as well the free throws hurts a little bit but I've done enough early on to to protect that so um, yeah and Brooke Lopez went straight after who could have been a another um, selection you know there but went with some a guy who I needed a few more rebounds from how where do you because obviously Derek Favors when he came out and was going at 40 was an absurd number where do you feel comfortable with him is this about it yeah this is it I think if you can get him outside the top 50 um, not sure I'd pay a top 50 pick. Some of the players we mentioned before, like Thomas Bryant, Jonas Valanciunas, um, who else have we got in that range? Clint Capella, LaMarcus Aldridge, those sort of guys. Jaron Jackson Jr., Bam, I feel a lot more comfortable Draymond with those guys. So he's sort of in that next tier down um, with the Wendell Carter Jr., maybe Derek Favors, Brooke Lopez. So I feel quite comfortable taking him, yeah, sort of in that 60 range where I, where I got him right here. That makes sense. Um, Zach Collins in Portland is the next guy. Anyway, actually, I, I might even clump these two together as well. Zach Collins and, and JaVale McGee as the run on big men for you. Uh, you're starting to stockpile them a little bit. I actually am extremely confident in JaVale McGee this year because I hate Dwight Howard with all of my heart. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, we know JaVale. He doesn't need that many minutes to be fantasy relevant, and I think you're probably still looking to kind of shore up blocks a little on your team Zach Collins is a little bit more of a of a, a dice roll, right? Where if things break right, he could be incredible, and if they don't, well, you know, we've sort of seen the inconsistencies. Um, what what I mean, tell the listeners a little bit about the Collins upside and and where this could work or where it might not. Yeah, in in hindsight, maybe went slightly early here on Zach Collins. Um, once again, there was a few guys in this round: Marvin Bagley, Josh Richardson, and Karis Levert, who went. In three of the four picks before me, um, Jonas snipes me again on Karis Levert, who I would have taken <laughs> at, at 83. I think that's fantastic value um, and would have given me another nice nice guard. Uh, but Zach William, uh, sorry, Zach Collins, yeah, still some plenty of upside there. Um, am I allowed to use the word sleeper on your podcast, Dan, or has it been banned? <laughs> you like that? I call them a put-you-to-sleeper. Those are my sleeper yeah. guys. I just think the term is so silly, right? Because we all know about all these guys now. True. True, we yeah, do. I'll um, allow it. The, the, ju- the judges are thinking it over, but I'm going to allow it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> like I said, in, in hindsight, maybe slightly early, um, you were spot on with JaVale McGee. really wanted that big boost in assists, and um, there was times last season where he was just crazy, blocking shots and getting rebounds and even scoring. So I think he can still be a pretty dangerous player next to Anthony Davis. Um, and Montrez Harrell went straight after me, and he could have been another option there instead of Zach Collins. But I look at the guys in the next round after these guys with Delon Wright, Cantor. Um, I don't like big men who don't block shots. Dwight Powell, yeah, maybe. Um, Demata Sabonis, 
not a big shot blocker. No. Dwayne Dedman, not convinced on his value in Sacramento and just their deep front court. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe it was about about right to get Collins and McGee, and that gives me basically four guards or three guards and, and Kawhi and then four big men um, through the first eight rounds. For sure, and this to me is a part of a draft where you really start to target guys as opposed to targeting who's falling. This is where you want, because everybody's so bunched up in rankings once you get to this point you're looking for the guy that you think could sort of leap over the pack uh yep. and these are guys that have that ability we saw it last year when javel mcgee did not have pneumonia he was incredible he was a monster and you know we're not going to expect that level of production but if he's going to play 22 minutes at center even that's more than enough for him to get uh kind of near that top 50 mark and, and i think people have kind of forgotten about him because anthony davis is there but they really don't want him playing center they really don't uh Justice Winslow, Alex Len, the next pairing here. I mean, we know Justice. He's a guy who does a little bit of everything. Alex Len taking a shot. He can hold on to the center job in Atlanta. Uh, thoughts on these two guys? Yeah, Justice Winslow, uh, I think he's a sneaky play at this point in the draft. Um, word coming out is that he played, well, he played a lot of point guard last year, but more point guard even so again this year with the Heat. Um, I think there's a chance that he even starts over Dragic at some point this season with Dragic being in the final year of his contract and Justice Winslow being only, I think, about 23 years of age and potentially part of the future there in Miami and a pretty nice fit next to Jimmy Butler. So, um, yeah, for a guy who can, you know, get five rebounds, five assists, um, the steals and defensive stats aren't too bad as well. The efficiency isn't great, but I've looked after that enough throughout the draft where I can take a small hit. Um, and Alex Len, yeah, turned himself into a, a stretch five last season and I think hit 74 three-pointers or something crazy after making only <laughs> five wild? or six Yeah, in his first few seasons in, in Phoenix. So um, if he can keep that up again and, um, yeah, he'll add some blocks as well. So Alex Len at 110. After him, we had guys like Serge Ibaka, who I don't mind, Paul Millsap, um, who's a pass for me, um, and Alex Reclain took Rui Hashimura um, two spots later, and I don't mind that for a, a high upside pick either. Yeah, I didn't like my own picks in this range. I, I'm readily admitting that. Millsap and then DeAndre Millsap. Jordan. I'm not, I don't know what the hell I was doing at this point. <laughs> uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is your 11th rounder, and Isaiah Thomas. The 12th round pick. I actually don't think I noticed that when it happened. Was that, uh, I, did you do that on purpose or you, are you messing or do you think he might have a role? I did do that on purpose, but, um, since we finished the draft, it has come out that, um, Isaiah Thomas, I think it was had thumb surgery. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and we'll miss sort of six to eight weeks. So, um, yeah, if we had our time again and I was drafting right now, I wouldn't take Isaiah Thomas. Um, but yeah, before the thumb injury, I thought, you know, maybe there's a, there's an outside chance that he wins that starting point guard role and can play 24, 26 minutes. And at that point of the draft, I don't know if there's anyone else with a ceiling as high as IT's, but yeah, yeah, like I said, maybe I'd in now, if we were drafting, I'd pass and, uh, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, Matt. Washington's terrible. Yeah. Well, uh, if Smith's the only point guard in town there and, and Bradley Bill's going to have to do a, a heap of work um, like he did last season. Um, and Spencer did when he was more, yeah, I don't trust Kyrie Irving to stay healthy. And, yeah, he got smacked in the face at training or something the other <laughs> yeah, day. And that has didn't a take long. Bro- broken face or something, I think. Yep, smashed his face. Um, didn't, yeah. even, didn't even need Bobby Portis in town to do it. 
No. Well, oh, touche. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, I got to stand up for my guy, Nico Miritich. <laughs> yeah, Nico is going to Spain. Can you believe this? I feel like I'm being tortured. My guy, Nico, moved out of the country. Oh. Uh, Darren Collison retired to like yes. travel door to door and hand out books. And, uh, yes. and my guy, Thad, got traded to a backup role in Chicago. I'm being attacked personally this year. Yeah, and then we've had, you know, Tyreek Evans get his two-year ban. We've got no Kevin Durant. We've got no John Wall. We've got no Clay Thompson. Like, there's already, what, about eight guys who won't be taken in redrafts, redraft leagues this year that we did have last year. So maybe it just slightly thins out our player pool a little bit. Yeah, everybody gets a little bump up the charts. And then, of course, I put uh, Boogie on everybody's team, which is me just having a little bit of fun here. Um, how many How many times did you have Cousins on your team? It felt like about four or five. Uh, two, just two. Just, just two. two. Okay. Yeah, the second one, or the, uh, the one in between was, uh, I think it was Greg, actually. He might be able yes. to confirm that. I think yes. one went to Greg. So, yeah, Boogie, I figured at that point, everybody gets a Boogie. I went... Uh, I forget who said I went full Oprah style, and I just you get a boogie and you get a boogie, and <laughs> everybody everybody took home a boogie cousins from this draft. Um, so Matt, what was the overall feel for you on this draft? Did this go kind of the way that you've seen them go generally, or you said you tried something a little bit different here, going more guard heavy out of the shoot? Um, what what did you take away? What did you learn from this one? Um, first takeaway was just really good to do a mock draft with guys from what, four, five, six fantasy sites just to see where everyone sort of has these guys ranked and placed. You know, we've done a lot of mock drafts and drafts internally with the Josh and Kyle and Greg from the BBM crew. So it was good to branch out and see what everyone else is feeling. Um, but, yeah, I think like I mentioned off the top, assists, you really need to get them inside, inside the top 50. Um, points are extremely difficult to find late as well. Um, steals are probably one category you can – lean off a little bit um you can find them later on you know guys like kelly Oubre, the bridges brothers um ricky rubio <clears throat> excuse me um josh richardson as well karis lavert these sort of guys yeah um and yeah we talk about the the big men run through those middle and and later rounds so um yeah i don't think there's anything sort of that that stood out in particular but yeah it's just really good to to get a draft um happening with with all, all these other guys in in the industry and, and see where everyone's sort of um yeah targeting their guys about a month out from the season. Yeah, it's fun because you, you, you sort of get a feel, for me at least, it's always nice because I kind of know the people in my other leagues where they read, what information they're getting. So like, yeah. you know, if I know someone is a Roto World guy in my league, you can you can take that. You can say, okay, I know these are the guys that Roto World is is high yep. on. They'll I'll have to target them a little earlier. Hoop ball for us, basketball monster for you guys. Uh, our buddies at the ITL that like it's it's really fun for me to get everybody into a room together too and just uh, certainly in talking to all of you after the fact um, Bogman taking Jaron Jackson to start the fourth has been the pick that irritated people the most because everybody was hoping he was going to get back to them later that same round so I think Bogman is the most hated at the end of this draft Um, but yeah I mean listen for you you know looking at your team I I love the Beal Kawhi uh, pairing out of the shoot. I love Chris Paul in the fourth. I mean, you got this great... I, as someone who... I, I preach percentages in Roto. People overlook them so often, and it's just such an easy way to get 20 points that a lot of people aren't looking at in your league. And so you got guards with great percentages, both field goal and free throw. It sets you up to have this base of points in Roto that a lot of the other teams in leagues won't have. 
yeah, it just makes life so much easier later on. And then if you do need to take a little bit of a hit, you know, with someone like a Marvin Bagley, um, I don't think I'd go as far as taking um, Stephen Adams or Hassan Whiteside. But, yeah, like I said, a Bagley or a Montrez Harrell or someone like that, just who is going to give you a negative in that category. You've already done enough work early on where you can, um, yeah, sort of stockpile mm-hmm. um, the efficiency and, yeah, Terry Rosie is probably not a great example for field goal percentage, but yeah, the same if you did the reverse and you stocked up with, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and, you know, then DeAndre Jordan or, um, sorry, um, DeAndre Ayton and then a couple of bigs early and then you could take a field goal percentage hit, um, whether that be, yeah, from um, Terry Rosier, Lou Williams, Marcus Smart, even some of those sort of guys. So, um, yeah, you can really look after your percentages. You just have to sort of map it out and, and do a bit of planning and, uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, a few things fall your way in the draft as well. But who, who are a few of the guys this season, Dan, that, that you're really keen on? You know me. I'm just waiting for old guys to fall into my lap. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I ended up with a few of them in this one. I, you know, I know Tobias Harris isn't an old guy, but I, I love that he's going mid to late fourth in a lot of drafts. I love that I was able to get LaMarcus Aldridge because he's just simple. And actually, yeah. you were talking about sort of stockpiling efficiency. I know Kemba Walker on the field goal percent is not the greatest, but my team in this one, early at least, Jokic, good in both percentages. Aldridge, good in both percentages. Tobias Harris, good in both. Kemba, not as great in field goal, but I think probably levels off with the other guys I had early. Um, Jason Tatum, he should be okay in both, I would think, this year. Obviously, Kevin Love, not as great in field goal, but I figured at that point, I actually had six guys in a row that are 82% or higher at the free throw line, so that's why I did go Steven Adams. Normally, I think I would have jumped him, but it was like, listen, I got like six of the top 20 free throw shooters in the NBA, I could probably take this hit. So that's my move. I, I go efficiency first, and then yeah. I fill out some of the, the, the counting stats later. Like you said, you know, I had Marcus Smart late in this one because I needed some threes and some steals, and he's probably going to get two plus on both of those this year. Yes. Uh, JJ yeah. Redick, three three-pointers a game probably. What, what round was that? Ninth round I got him in this thing? Yeah. Um, so they're out there. I'm less, you know me, I'm less of a target guy than I am of a wait-and-see guy. Uh, mm. But I think as you get towards the later rounds, ah, geez, looking at some of the guys on the board here, I didn't end up with many of them. I, I'm this. I'm weirdly high on TJ Warren, which I know is super weird, um, but he's another guy that's good in both percentages. I like uh, both of the Bridges kids. Yeah. Uh, Delon Wright is a guy that I've been looking at. It, for me, a lot of this draft was kind of figuring out where guys were going to go around me. And I didn't end up with a lot of the guys late that I wanted. That's how I ended up with Paul freaking Millsap and DeAndre Jordan. But whatever. It's a mock. You know, lesson learned. I needed to go a little earlier on those dudes. Um, And then I was okay, actually, with my last relevant pick of Will Barton. Because, you know, screw it. If he doesn't play himself into shape in Denver, he won't play and I'll drop him. But he has a season under his belt where he's been right around the top 50, top 60. Those aren't There aren't that many guys in the 12th round that have that claim so I figured that was actually a slightly better one for me after a couple of uh, pretty clunky ones. <laughs> Not, yeah. and, I, and I nailed myself for it when I, when I broke the draft down on Monday. I was, I was not good late in this draft. No, I like the Will Barton pick. Yeah, 139, like you said. You might as well take that shot. And um, yeah, just on JJ Redick in round nine, really big guy who can boost your free throw percent, percentage mm-hmm. well, which is difficult to find later on. So um, yeah, field goal, you can kind of find that off the waiver wire. Free throw efficiency um, isn't 
quite as easy to find um, throughout the season. So, yeah, if you do need a boost in those categories, you may have to do it through trades rather than through the waiver wire. Yeah, and that's why I love getting those guys early. And you did it too. You got guys early that are great at both percentages. You want your high-volume guys to not drag you down in that stuff, and that's just such a key to Roto that uh, I think that people tend to lean a little bit more in the head-to-head style where you can you can sort of throw those away. Not entirely, but, you know, if you're middle of the pack, you're going to win some and lose some. Um, yeah. But just that... Over that full season, if you can pile up twenty points in percentages, you're you're probably going to be top three in your league almost without doing anything else. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think if people want a rough guide as well, I always sort of try to aim for for fifty percent from the field and eighty percent from the free throw line. That's mm-hmm. probably rounding up and, and a little bit difficult, but yeah, so so forty seven, forty eight from the field and sort of seventy eight from the free throw line should put you in a pretty competitive position, uh, regardless of what sort of league it is. Yes, sir. Uh, and a great place to go if you want to know how these guys fare against the rest of the league in these. Look up their values at the Basketball Monster Player Ranker. I know I said I talk about it a lot, but that's the best place to look. I mean, there's just a very small handful of guys that are an actual positive impact player in both of those departments. Uh, and that's a cool way to sort it as well. Uh, Matt Smith is uh, is our guest on this one. S-Man Sports. That's the Twitter handle. S-M-A-N and the word sports. He is, of course, an analyst over at Basketball Monster. Matt, my man, uh, can I bug you sooner this year? I had so many damn projects last season. I didn't get to talk to you as often as I wanted. Of course. Hit me up anytime. You know where to find me. Hot I'll, damn. Always, always come on and talk to you, Dan. I'll slide into your DMs. How about that? <laughs> I feel Let's gross. I feel gross when I say that out loud. That was the last that's, time. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. You're, anytime, mate. Take care. That's our buddy Matt Smith at S-Man Sports on Twitter. You're probably following him already, but if you're not, go do it right now. As promised, a coupon code associated with all of our guests here during draft season on Fantasy NBA Today. And the coupon code for this weekend is Matt. It's pretty easy, isn't it? Uh, I don't get fancy with it. You get a fancy coupon code, it becomes harder for people to use. The coupon is Matt. M-A-T-T. So simple. So straightforward. M-A-T-T. You use that on any of the stuff over at HoopBall. Get $3 off. Go get the draft guide before the price goes up on Monday. I gotta say that again. $3 off. You can get it for $14.99 with the coupon code. It'll get the B-150 in it on Monday. Buy it now. Buy it now. Buy it now. Also, big thank you here mid-show to our buddies at mybookie.ag. They continue to do it right. I cannot stress this enough to you guys. They care. I know that's such a weird thing for me to say, and it's not even off of their talking points. They, they, they give us talking points to go over, and I use them sometimes. But I just I thought it was most important for you guys to know they care. There's so many of these online books that just take your money and disappear. Literally, some of them go under and take your money with them. My bookie cares. We ran into problems. They helped us solve them. They have customer service. They have chat windows. They have phone numbers. You can actually get a hold of real live human beings to solve any issues you might have with them. And they are matching your deposit. When you open your account, use the promo code TODAY, the word today, and my bookie will match your first deposit. So you'll have double. You'll have double the money. You'll have the regular money. You'll have the free roll money. And then you got to use it. 
You can't just cash out. That's not how it works. They're not just going to give you money and let you cash it out. But we're going to. We have all these games we're going to bet on, all these revenge angles throughout the season. There were almost 400 of those alone last year, and that's not including any other stuff we might be doing. So we have plenty of things coming up here. Let's bet together at mybookie.ag. Play, win, get paid. Let's dive now into the Yahoo comparisons, because I feel like we left this one element dangling just a little bit. And I'm going to start with overvalued guys first. We'll go through some of my top overvalued guys, and then we'll go through a few of the undervalued guys. And here's the point I want to make before I even dive into the names. This is really, this is key. When I say, and I think this is the case for a lot of analysts also, and the problem with the written word sometimes is that you don't have time to explain yourself. Or if you take that time, your, your written passages become flowery and difficult to navigate. The beauty of the spoken word, which is what I have here at my disposal, is that I can knock out in 60 seconds what it takes much longer than that to do in paragraph form. It's just faster. I can do more in an hour in a podcast than someone can do in an hour uh, by writing something. It's just the way it works. Their stuff is easier to interpret because you have the words in front of you and they can present stats that you can look at. But for something like this, where I think there does need to be a little bit of clarification, I think the podcast format helps a little bit. Here's why I say that. The short way to explain a particular guy And let's use an actual example here. We don't need to use hypotheticals here. Uh, I would say that an example of this for me would be someone like Russell Westbrook, who I think is pretty consistently overvalued on a season-to-season basis. And because a lot of folks in their draft room are looking at ADPs, he's going to continue to go early, even if the actual projection on him in 9-cat is lower. The projection for Russell Westbrook, and we have to try to dig this one up, is somewhere outside the top 25, I believe, in 9-cat. I, I don't even know where the hell he is these po- at this point anymore. I can't find him. He's like in the 50-something range. Uh, and yet, because of his weird, awful free throw percent, field goal percent, tons of everything else stat set... There are formats where he goes incredibly early. And so ADPs get shifted. His ADP is 16.6 on Yahoo. In a 9-cat league, there's no reason to ever take him at 16. In an 8-cat league, you get closer. And in a points league, he's probably going in the top five. He bounces all over the map, depending on, on format. But that all doesn't get fleshed out when you look at just ADP. Average draft position. So when I say something like, I don't like Russell Westbrook this year, that's a simple thing that a lot of analysts can say in the podcast or the spoken word or whatever. But in actuality, what we mean in just that one little sentence is not that we don't like Russell Westbrook. It's that we don't like him where he would go, what he would cost to get him on your team. So one short sentence I don't like Russell Westbrook. Five words actually means he's too expensive for me. 
I can't draft him where he's being drafted. There is a place where if he fell to that place, I would draft him. He's almost definitely not going to fall to that place. And hence, I will probably not have him on my fantasy team this year. Because odds are, the very narrow path through which I would have to walk to end up with this guy is just not going to happen. So what I'd like to do, and I'll admit... You know, I have to put titles on these podcasts that catch people's attention because that's what people are looking for. But once you're now into it and listening to the show, I'm going to say it again. I think terms like sleepers are a little bit silly because what it really means, we should say what it means, which is an undervalued guy. Simply that, undervalued. Because if you're in a decent league, even an intermediate league, we all know everybody. Nobody's asleep. There are no players that are just like dangling in the 150 range that people don't know about that are going to be top 50 guys. Those dudes just don't really exist. Maybe one a year. Pascal Siakam was probably the only one last year that even came close to that descriptor. In actuality, most of what we're looking for are significant value plays. Guys that are falling. Guys that are overvalued. Those guys are buzz guys and hype guys. And that terminology I'm fine with. So, yeah, this is probably going to be called a little bit of a sleepers versus hype guys, or we can call them, you know, uh, hype train guys or buzz guys. And my sleepers are really anti-sleepers because they're just, they're not explosive. They're just going to beat their mark. There's a very high probability that they beat their mark. And so that's what we're going to be going through the rest of today's show in some capacity. And we're going to start with the guys that are overvalued right now. I'd like to basically keep this stuff inside the top 75 to 90 range because as we've talked about before, once you get past about pick 80, it doesn't matter. They're all the same. They're all bunched together. The, the ADPs, the, the projections, there's no, there's no difference there. That's where you're grabbing guys. And there's no such thing as overvalued or undervalued because the value difference is negligible. So we're not going to go that far. Uh, yes, obviously, there are going to be some guys that are ranked in the 120, 130 range that end up inside the top 100. But that 30 ju- slot jump is fairly meaningless compared to a guy ranked in the, say, 80s that ends up in the 50s. That's a much more significant leap. And if such a player existed, someone ranked in the 50s that jumps into the 20s, say. So let's start with overvalued. And I think the single most overvalued player when you're looking at ADPs right now is LeBron James. And God love him. As a Laker fan, I think he's going to have a wonderful year, but his ADP is 8 He's the guy right now on Yahoo going right after Damian Lillard. We all know the top seven. There's those first five in whatever order. Jokic at six, Dame at seven. LeBron James is going at eight. This is in front of people like Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. The list, that's probably about the list. This is a guy, I don't know that I necessarily need to remind everybody of this, but LeBron James was barely a second-round pick on a per-game basis last year. Forget the fact he only played 55 games. He's a high-volume, bad free-throw shooter now. He's a free-throw punt-type guy. And he's kind of a turnover punt-type guy. 
which is not really a thing. You can adjust for that pretty quickly by, you know, getting a a Rob Covington or whoever, somebody with, you know, 1.2 turnovers or Brooke Lopez or whatever. But that's a ton. That's two categories for him where he's obliterating you. He's pretty good in the other stuff. I'll give him that. He's still LeBron James. 27 and 8, 8 and 8 last year with almost two defensive stats, decent field goal percent. Yeah, like that stuff is good. But, I mean, listen, he was behind. If you're talking about other free throw guys, he was behind Rudy Gobert, Andre Drummond, and Clint Capella last season on a per-game basis. Other bad free throw shooters. Other guys that hovered in that second-round pick. If you're looking at LeBron and saying he's going to be a first-rounder this year in 9-cat, which of these categories is the one that goes up? Efficiency? Field goal percent from 51? Yeah, I guess it could go up to 52 or 53. Is that enough to push him from 24 to 8? No chance. Scoring? Not going up with AD around. Threes? Rebounds? Assists? All that stuff. Maybe assists by a little? I doubt it. Eight's already a pretty big number. Does turnovers come down? Maybe a little bit? Does he take fewer free throws? Is that going to be the key? There's just no obvious path for him to go from 24 back into the middle of the first round maybe to the middle front end of the second round at very best but if someone in your league is spending a first round pick on LeBron James in a nine category league you just caught a massive break because that means everybody else that they should have been looking at fell one slot closer to you we already talked about Russell Westbrook earlier in the podcast so I'm going to leap over him as my second guy on the over over drafted list here in the early going and I'm gonna move towards the back end of the second round with a pair of young point guards who are exciting but in my estimation folks are taking a little too early and that's Luka Doncic and Trey Young and I like both of these guys as players I think that they're both gonna be really interesting fantasy guys at some point in their careers, and and it might be sooner than later. But I I also think that we've sort of leapt ahead here in a way that we're just, we're jumping the gun. You know, these guys are going, unless you're punting turnovers, Trey Young is going to have a really tough time getting to this mark, at least on a per-game basis. And I know that the argument here is, well, what if he plays all 82 games? Yeah, I get it. There, There's a weird outside path where he could find his way to somewhere near top 20 value. Remember, he ended last year on a top 40 clip. I also think that his team got better around him. Maybe I'm nuts. I mean, he's still going to be the main focal point. I totally understand that. So I'm not trying to argue that someone's going to take the ball away from Trey Young. He was number 37 over the last two months last year. 24 points, five boards, almost 10 assists, a steal, two and a half three-pointers, 87% high volume at the line, 43% from the field, and about three and a half turnovers a game, which you can stomach if the other stuff is as good as it was. Here's the stuff that worries me a little bit. Is he really now a 43% shooter from the field, or was that a short-term blip? Is he really an 87% free throw shooter? I mean, I guess he could be, but he was 83% for the year. So what are we actually arguing here with Trey Young? Is he high 80s or is he low 80s? 
There's a lot of stuff that changed those last two months that I don't know we can fully explain away. So here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at those last two months, and I'm saying, this is probably the target for this year. If he can keep up that pace for a full season, you've got a really fun fantasy player. 43% from the field, 87 high volume at the line, three and a half turnovers. Yeah, that kicks you in the groin, but almost 10 assists a game, you can forgive it. Five rebounds, 24 points a game. Is he going to be taking 19 shots a game? Is this, where does it go up from there? That, okay, that's the better question here. Could he score more than 24? Mm, it's tough to get over that mark, man. I mean, we're talking about the absolute top most guys that are above 24 points in the league. So, yes, I'm going to say yes, but maybe two? Are we talking about like two points per game? Okay. Could he go over 9.4 assists? I don't, I don't believe so. 10, I think, would be the absolute topping out point. It's hard to go higher than that. Could he go higher than five rebounds? Probably not. That's not what we're expecting of him anyway. He doesn't appear to be a big defensive stats guy, so one steal is probably the target there. And then 43-87, those to me are the best you could look for in those two departments. So we're talking about the jump for him from when he was a top 40 guy is two to two and a half points and half an assist. Is that enough to get him to the top 20? The answer is only if he plays all 82 games like that. And to me, that's just not a risk I'm willing to take at that juncture. So I believe he's a bit overdrafted right now. Although I did, as I just said, explain the one path to that point. And of course, if you're punting turnovers, then have at it. I'm taking this in a vacuum, no punts, no strategic elements outside of just where a guy is going. Luca is the guy I would fade a little bit more. I would take Trey Young at that spot before I would take Luca because we've now seen it from Trey, and his stats are fairly uh, replicatable, if we can throw a goofball word in there. Uh, what we need to see from Doncic is a, a giant boost in percentages. That's the simple point there. Uh, over the last two months last year, so if you want to take down the stretch when there's literally nobody around him in Dallas, he averaged 22, 10, and 7, which is pretty amazing. Uh, one steal, half a block, 41% from the field, 68 at the free throw line on a lot of them, and over four turnovers per game. He was actually ranked number 146 over that same stretch where we were talking about Trey Young, uh, who was ranked number 37. So it's almost unfair for me to lump these two guys into the same bucket. I get it. We've actually we've heard some very legitimate arguments as to why Luka can make that next leap. Because... He's not this bad of a free throw shooter, or shouldn't be, at the very least. Can't figure that one out. Yahoo actually has him projected to be a 74% foul shooter this year, which would be up about 3% from last season. He takes a lot of them, so that would still be a little bit of a, another kick in the groin, but it is an improvement. The 42.5% from the field, that's a number that you've got to think should come up with guys like Kristaps Porzingis nearby, and just anything at all to give him some opportunity, but the volume should also come down. So there's the other side of it with him. I don't know that they need him taking almost 20 shots a night 
if they actually have a healthy, decent team around him. DeLon Wright, Tim Hardaway Jr., Kristaps Porzingis, Dwight Powell, they actually have some okay players. Sure, 16, 17 shots a game, that's doable. But as the guys around him get better, his counting stats will peel off a tiny bit. So you have to hope that the efficiency jump, which is what we're praying for with him regardless, is big enough to offset anything, any volume dip. And so if the efficiency does offset that, then the counting stats don't change very much. You're seeing where the math is working out on that one. Uh, I think I would go Trey over Luka in this spot, again, just because you need to see, with Trey, you need to see him maintain what he had done at the end of last year. With Luka, you need to see uh, really three areas of pretty large improvement, and they're possible, but really one or two of those is more probable than three. Three is what you need to get into that top 20 conversation. One or two is what leaps him from outside the top 100 in nine cat to inside of it and then closer to top 50. So that's the jump. It's like 50, 50, 20 as he fixes these things. And so to me, he's one of the more over overdrafted guys on the board. Uh, Devin Booker is another guy on my list of overdrafted guys. And I think this one really just comes down to the fact that he's going to score a ton. Um, this is, he was a top 25 guy over the last two months last year. But again, this was a situation where everybody was sitting. He took 21 shots a game during that stretch, which I don't know that they necessarily want him doing this year. He has really neat upside in some areas. He's an outstanding free throw shooter, and he's going to take a bunch of them. Uh, he's an amazing scorer and his field goal percent was way better last year than I could have ever envisioned. But listen to some of these numbers he put up down the stretch. 30 points per game for Devin Booker over his last 21 games last year. Two three-pointers, four and a half rebounds, seven assists. He doesn't do much on defense, so we're not going to worry about that anyway. 47.5% from the field. Yeah, I know. And about 90% at the free throw line on nine free throws per game. And then a very ugly 4.6 turnovers per game, which was the most in the NBA over that stretch. Here's what I'm looking at with Booker. All of that had him at 25th over those two months, and a lot of it was the turnover stuff. It's a big deal. If you wipe some of those out, he could climb pretty fast. The problem, of course, is that Phoenix is not going to be resting their entire team down the stretch for the entire season. He was alone on the floor. Remember, I mean, he was going ballistic. It was like 50 points a game for a stretch there. Uh, Ricky Rubio is going to be taking a lot of the burden off of him in terms of ball handling, you're going to see uh, more shots from DeAndre Ayton, Dario Saric now. They actually have a, a stretch four that's going to get some looks. Mikhail Bridges is going to get some looks. Kelly Oubre is going to take a bunch of shots. They're going to play. I mean, even Tyler Johnson's probably going to get some shots up. I don't think you're going to see Devin Booker taking 21 shots a game. And even if he does, what we've saw, what we saw here already is that that not necessarily the greatest thing with him handling the ball the whole time. The perfect universe for Devin Booker, and there is a path for him. It's clearer than some of these other two guys, and that's why he's a little bit lower on this list, is the path is there to get to where he's being drafted, which is generally in that early, late second, early third range. This is That's where he was down the stretch last year. So what we need from him is for the turnovers to drop from four and a half a game to more like three, 
and for the other stuff to not peel off all that much. But I do think you, you're going to see a hit in assists. There's almost no way he has seven assists a game with a legitimate point guard nearby to shoulder that load. And I also don't think he's going to average 30 points a game. I mean, that was more than Giannis last year. That's not easy to do over an entire season. LeBron was at 29 over those two months. Right? Like, James Harden was the only guy in the league over that stretch to average more points than Devin Booker. He's going to score a lot of points, but 30 is pretty crazy. So some of these things are going to come back a little bit. Field goal percent probably is not going to be 47.5 for the entire year, but if it is, awesome. I just see him as more of a early 30s pick than a mid-20s. So this one's off by about two-thirds of a round. What I'd like to do now is very quickly pivot to a few of my favorite underdrafted guys, and we can continue this on Monday as well. I have uh, six more overdrafted guys that I want to get on the list, and then I have a list of about 15 underdrafted guys. But you know these names, and that's why I, I, I wanted to stress the overdrafted guys a little bit more than the under. You know the guys I'm going to list. is my old men. And it's really the beginning of kind of the, the Dan Bespris old man squad from last year. These, these guys are taking up places on it. Last year was a lot of guys that were ranked in that like 75 to 100 range that everybody had forgotten about. They're earlier this year. They're all, they're scattered throughout the draft. So what I'm going to start with here is just a couple of the guys in the early rounds that I think are being underdrafted. And the first one on that list is Jimmy Butler, which I know is going to be a little bit of a controversial throw in here, but he's getting drafted in the 16 range when this is a guy that and I would tell everybody to turn their clocks back a couple of years Jimmy Butler the 16-17 season by the way he's 30 years old so he still has plenty left in the tank he's obviously got Tibbs miles on the legs but I mean he's gonna have to play in Miami if they want to win the 2016-2017 season three years ago Jimmy Butler in Chicago played 76 games averaged 24 6 five and a half Almost two steals a game, 45.5% shooting from the field, 87 ultra-high volume at the free-throw line, and only two turnovers per game. He was number 10 on a per-game basis that year. And I see a very real chance for him to be inside the top 10 or 11 this season as well. So it's weird to say that 15 or 16 is underdrafted because it's only five or six slots later. But if you think this dude is going to get into the low to mid-70s in games played, he should be going in the first round. He should be going in front of guys that aren't going to get to 65 games, guys where there's a bunch of fear. Uh, Kyrie Irving is a guy that I like a lot, but he has the same issues as Jimmy Butler, and they could be going neck and neck. And yet, Kyrie is going where? He's right out of the chute. Kyrie Irving is right behind Bradley Beal. I think his ADP is 12. And then Butler is ADP is four slots later. Paul George is going in front of Jimmy Butler this year, and he's going to miss the first two to three weeks of the season. At least. Joel Embiid is probably going to miss a month over the course of the year. Kawhi Leonard, who I like a lot these days. I've been sweetening on him. He's going at ten and a half. Six slots in front of Jimmy Butler. There's a very real chance that Butler exceeds all of those guys if he actually plays a few extra games this year than people are predicting. Second on my list is Andre Drummond, who somehow is watching his ADP fall this year. 
this is a contract year for Drummond. He can opt out at the end of this season. This is a guy who, listen, we've been talking a lot about the last two months last year, right? About what Trey Young did and, and what Devin Booker did. The last two months last season, Andre Drummond was a monster. Andre Drummond was crazy last season over the final two months. He was inside the top five. Excuse me, top six. Whatever. He was right next to Carl Anthony Towns, splitting hairs. He was a top six guy for two months last year. 18 points, 17 rebounds, 2.1 steals, 1.7 blocks per game, 55% from the field, and a high volume, 65% of the free throw line. Do you know how good you have to be in the other categories for a high volume, 65% to get wiped out? We just talked about LeBron James. He was a high volume, 67%, and he was number 24 last year. Guys, you have to be so impactful in other categories to wipe out that stuff, and he is. His rebounding numbers are so far beyond what anybody else in the NBA is doing, and his defensive stats, the only other guy that even comes close is Anthony Davis. Well, Mitchell Robinson, but it's a little bit of a mixed bag on that front. He was number six for two months last year, and he's going right now, this is crazy to me, at 21. The end of the second round, basically. You're gift-wrapping James Harden's owners, Andre Drummond. Harden Drummond? One guy, I mean, James Harden cancels out the Andre Drummond situation. James Harden by himself was good enough to wipe out Andre Drummond's free throw issue. I will do the math for you right here on Fantasy NBA Today. James Harden averaged 9.6 free throws per game at a 90% clip over the final two months last year. He was actually at 88% 11 free throws a game for the season last year. Andre Drummond, for the year, was at 59%, but again, he was better over those last two months. We're going to take the bad numbers on this one. 11 times .88 is what James Harden is offering to your team. That's 9.68 free throws made out of 11. 9.68. You guys can write that down if you want, because we're doing math here on the show. Live on Fantasy NBA Today, we're actually doing math. Andre Drummond, 5.2 free throws at 59%. 5.2 times 0. .59, 3.068. We're going to add that, guys to 9.68 and you get 12.748 and you divide that by the total number of free throws they took combined which is 16.2 and you have a 78.7 free throw percent for your team you are already upper mid pack James Harden wipes out Andre Drummond all by himself you're actually doing better than the average in your 12-team league. You get one more free throw shooter at the 82. I don't. I mean, look at guys that ended up in the third round last year. Take Mike Conley. He's an 84.5% free throw shooter at almost six per game. Even if he doesn't get close to that this year, suddenly you are now in the upper third quarter of your league in free throw percent with Andre Drummond on your team. 
This is why I can't believe it. People take this one guy and they're like, well, I guess I better punt now. You don't need to punt. And as these ADPs are stacking up, I mean, we're talking about a team that got James Harden or Steph Curry or I don't know, Carl Anthony Towns, whatever. Probably not Cat. You probably don't want to go back-to-back centers to start your draft. Too many good ones in that fifth, sixth, seventh round range. But, I mean, if you got James Harden at second or third and Andre Drummond gets back to you at the end of the second round, holy moly, your team is good with two picks in the bank. That's unbelievable. I mean, Harden, by the way, 6.6 rebounds by himself and 2.1 steals. Your first two picks now are at 2.5 blocks, 3.8 steals per game, about 23 rebounds a game. 22? And like 55 points a game. That's an unbelievable pairing. Each one wipes out anything the other one wasn't doing great. I just, I can't believe he's going that late. My argument here with a guy like Drummond is that you could take him much earlier in the second round, and there are plenty of guys that can wipe out his free throw issue at the end of the first round. Damian Lillard can take care of most of Andre Drummond's free throw stuff. Kawhi Leonard can take care of a lot of Andre Drummond's free throw stuff. You pair him up with someone like Jimmy Butler, that'll certainly put a dent into it. Or maybe you don't have to wipe it out right out of the chute. Kyrie Irving, he takes care of some of it. So then you just get a third-round guy who's pretty good at free-throw shooting also. I think Andre Drummond is one of the most underdrafted guys in the league. I'm going to do two more here, and then we're going to put a pin in this until Monday. Nikola Vucevic. He's going at the end of the second round as well. This was a guy that, yes, was in a contract year last season, but he was number 11. He was ahead of Nikola Jokic last year. Jokic is going 6th, and Vooch is going 23rd? Fine, I get it. I really do. I get it. Career year, Vooch had been hurt. People don't believe that this is a thing that's going to happen again. But damn, one guy going up 6 spots from where he finished last year, and the other one going down a full round? Those are big jumps in this part of a draft. Vooch had a team value, and this is off of Basketball Monsters' ranking page, last year, 0.58. Positive 0.58. The guys at the end of the second round were a positive 0.34. The guys in the middle of the first round were a positive 0.7 or higher. 0.73, 0.74. So we're talking about Jokic going up by the equivalent of like a fourth round pick and Vooch going down by the equivalent of a third round pick. That's a big swing for those two guys that were right next to each other last year. With Vooch, by the way, in front. 21 points a game, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, and a block. The percentages, he could do those again. The threes, easy. Rebounds, pretty easy. The rest of that team doesn't rebound all that well. The assists, they'll be there because he's a good passing big man, even if they come down a little bit. The only thing I could see moving for Vooch is maybe the steals and the blocks come down a tiny bit and the points. I mean, that's not enough to move him by a round. This is an easy mid-second round guy, and he's falling. And these, this is, I mean, man, getting a pick inside the top three or four is such a huge advantage this year, not just for the first round, but for the second round also. Because these guys that are getting passed over are falling to the end of the second round, and you just, they're flopping into your lap. 
What if you have Steph Curry and Nick Vucevic right out of the shoot? What if you have Harden and Vooch out of the shoot? Monster of a team. And my last one for today is Chris Paul, which is an interesting one. And I know this one's uh, this one, like Jimmy Butler, is going to catch some heat. He's going to have a hamstring injury this year, and it's going to happen while he's on the Thunder, and he's going to miss three weeks with it. And that's nine games on the shelf, and that hurts a little bit. But Chris Paul's going in the middle to the end of the third round, and this is a guy that in his very worst season of probably his career, you wipe out the you know rookie season or whatever, last year was the worst season of his career, and I, some of it has to do with age, but a lot of it has to do with the teammates around him because the drop-off for Chris Paul was incredibly significant when he switched teams. I mean, look at his career numbers. He was an old man with the Clippers in 2016-17. He only played 61 games that year, but he was at 18-9 and with two steals a game, and he shot 47.6% from the field. Went to Houston, field goal percent dropped by two the first year, and then another four this most recent season. His scoring came down by three points per game. The assists came down by one. The rebounding came down. Free throw shooting came down. He could not have been any worse than he was this last year. And he was still number 21 on a per-game basis in 9-cat. I know, the missed games is the thing you're worried about. But this is a guy that could legitimately have end-of-first-round value when he's healthy in Oklahoma City, and he's going in the third. There are almost no guys in the third round that you look at and you're like, this guy could be in the first round. Here's the other guys. Here's the, the dudes with ADPs between 24 and 36 on Yahoo right now. Miles Turner, could he be a first-rounder? No, not unless he ups his offensive game. I love the blocks, but no. DeAndre Ayton, no. Not going to do enough. Doesn't have the volume. Devin Booker, no. Ben Simmons, no. Mitchell Robinson, no. Donovan Mitchell, no. John Collins, nope. De'Aaron Fox, nope. Kristaps Porzingis, yes, we already know he's going to be rested 15 games. So, eh. Pascal Siakam, no. Zion Williamson, no. Draymond Green, no. None of those guys have the fantasy profile to get into the first round this year. Zion, probably down the line. Except for Chris Tapps, Porzingis and Chris Paul. And here they are in the third round. Uh, I prefer Paul over Porzingis because we've talked about the issue with point guards this year, there are not a ton of them after you get past Kyle Lowry. Basically, Ricky Rubio and Jeff T are the only guys left at that point. And I also prefer Chris Paul because he doesn't have... We don't know going into the year that the team is just going to sit him for 15 games. He might miss them by himself, but I'd rather not start with that as the baseline. And we have gone so long on today's podcast. I got to shut her down. I'm sorry. We'll do more of this on Monday. I promise. I have a lot more names I want to go through. We also have an additional pro on Monday and Tuesday. That'll wrap up our industry nine cap mock. I didn't even get to tell you guys about the recruitment process. It's going great, but we always need more. If you want to be a blurber here at HoopBall, if you want to learn how to write for the Newswire, hit me up at Dan Bespris. If you want to be a podcaster, hit me up, at Dan Bespris. If you want to cover a team, hit me up, at Dan Bespris. We need people who are passionate, willing to put in the hours, and learn the craft 
from some of the best writers we've got going. Aaron Bruski, Mike Passador, Eric Ong. These guys are incredible editors and leaders here at HoopBall. Uh, and I'd like to think that I do an okay job with our pod division. So hit me up, at Dan Bespris. I'm sure there are other things that I meant to talk about on today's show. But go get the draft guide before the price goes up. Use coupon code MATT to get $3 off anything you buy over at hoop-ball.com. Thank you to Matt Smith. Thank you to Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Thank you to mybookie.ag. And thank you to Twitter for allowing me to continue to talk to you guys uh, between today and Monday. Again, pros on Monday, more over and undervalued guys on Monday. And then at the end of this long stretch, we'll have the Dan Vespers Old Man Squad. That'll be coming out on Twitter. We'll also have the full results of this mock that we've been talking about for two and a half weeks. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us here on an ultra-long show. I will talk to you on Monday. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.